You are listening to a podcast from Vineyard Church of Augusta. For more information, visit vineyardaugusta.org. Welcome to everyone on this first Sunday of Advent. We're so delighted to have each of you here, uh, both joining us in person and online. Um, Advent, as, as Roger said, it is the season of, of waiting and anticipating and expectancy. Uh, and it, it helps to shape us in order to uh, fully prepare and be able to celebrate the gift of God's love given to us in Jesus, uh, what we celebrate at Christmas time. Um, Advent reminds us that God came into the world uh, in the form of a baby at a very hopeless time uh, for the people of Israel and for the people of the whole world. And Advent reminds us that God continues to come to us in our hopeless moments today and to our hopeless world. So this idea of Advent, of expectancy, anticipation, longing, it also includes a thing that's somewhat curious, active waiting, active waiting, because um, this, this sense of waiting is not something that should be idle or empty, okay? This is not just us sitting around twiddling our thumbs. This is very much a, a waiting that comes with a call to action, specifically a call to prayer. And for our series uh, this Advent season, that is very much what we're going to be looking at, uh, an invitation to cry out to God for his hope, for his peace, for his joy, for his love to fill our own hearts and lives, our families, and the world around us. Uh, that's very much what our world needs. So each week in the Advent series, we're going to be focusing on a passage of Scripture that uh, is going to be in the Common Lectionary. Uh, that means we're going to be joining with uh, Christians all around the world, the whole body of Christ, as we come together and as we, uh, as we read over these passages and we meditate on them, uh, we're going to be doing that. Uh, and something else we're going to be doing, we're going to be actually focusing on taking these passages Passages of Scripture, not only to read them, not only to meditate on them, but to pray them. Uh, that's going to be a big part of, of our Advent series this year, because something very powerful can happen when we pray Scripture. How many of you know that? How many of you have experienced that? When we let the Bible become our prayer, we're praying an inspired vocabulary, uh, very much. We've got the book of Psalms. Uh, which gives us 150 uh, songs of prayer and worship. For every kind of emotion, for every kind of situation, uh, we've got those prayers. We've got the prayers of Jesus that are tailor-made for helping us to cultivate and develop our relationship with our Heavenly Father. We've got the prayers of Paul that we see later in the New Testament that help us and give us words for prayers of petition for ourselves, uh, for our families, and for the world around us. And so when the, the Spirit-breathed Word of God becomes a, a prayer from our hearts, uh, it doesn't matter uh, whether these scriptures are quoted, read, sung, or paraphrased, they can become a powerful release of faith and can help energize and intensify our prayer lives. And, and I want to really encourage you to, to, to utilize these, these passages. We've got notes in your program, uh, and we've got some directions on how we're going to take a look at this passage from Isaiah today uh, and how we can use that. Uh, turn, read it, meditate on it, but then turn it into prayer. 
Uh, on this, our first Sunday of Advent, as has already been mentioned, our theme, our focus is hope. Uh, so we're gonna, we're gonna talk about waiting and praying for hope and waiting and praying with hope this morning. In the Old Testament, there are a couple of different words that the writers use for the word, uh, for the word hope. One is to wait for. Uh, one is to wait for. The other one is that feeling of tension or anticipation and expectancy that comes when we wait. So we've got a, uh, a verb and then we've got a noun. But just exactly what are we and what was Israel waiting for? In the period of Israel's prophets that we'll be reading from today from Isaiah, um, they, the nation was once again uh, sinking into self-destruction because of their disobedience and because of their idolatry. It's a, it's a pattern that we see throughout the Old Testament with Israel. The prophets were God's mouthpiece to his people to share his heart, to share his commands. And the prophet Isaiah was one of the primary ones that, uh, that we see in the Old Testament. It's the one, uh, he's the one we're going to be reading from today. Uh, in, in Isaiah chapter 8, we find these words of Isaiah that talk about the idea of waiting for God. Um, Isaiah says, I will wait for the Lord who is hiding his face from the descendants of Jacob. I will put my trust in him. I will wait for the Lord. Another way that can be uh, interpreted, I will hope in the Lord who is hiding his face from the descendants of Jacob, I will put my trust in him. There's this combination of, of, of waiting and hoping in and trusting that we see happening here and in so many other places uh, in scripture. Now, Isaiah was hopeful, but if you read the whole book of Isaiah and you know anything about him, you know that this was not a, uh, an optimistic guy, all right? He was not someone who was filled with optimism, and there is a big difference between optimism and hope. Optimism is choosing to see, no matter what the situation is, uh, how circumstances could work out well. So the, you know, the cockeyed optimist. Isaiah was not a cockeyed optimist, all right? You can quote me on that. Uh, but biblical hope isn't focused on circumstances. Instead, hopeful people in the Bible were, were real, okay? They were living in their real world. They were observant of what was going on and what wasn't going on. They were keenly aware of the, the kingdom of darkness that was very much at hand. They were uh, tuned into that, but they recognized that even though there was no evidence that things were just gonna get better, they chose hope anyway, just like Isaiah did, because biblical hope does not focus on circumstances. Biblical hope is based on a person, and his name is Jesus. And that continues to be the focus of our hope today. Our hope is in Christ and in Christ alone. As, uh, as Peter says, he is our living hope, and it is in his name that we, that we pray and have access to Father God. So if, you, if you've got your Bibles, you can turn with me to Isaiah 64, or you can read with me on the screen. We're going to be reading from this passage today. We're going to be looking at how we can uh, see Isaiah both praying with hope, praying for hope, and, and just how we can actually utilize part of his prayer uh, in our own lives to pray for these same dynamics to occur with us today. 
Isaiah 64, beginning in verse 1. A prayer to God, oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you, as when fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil. Come down to make your name known to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. For when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down and the mountains trembled before you. Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. You come to the help of those who gladly do right, who remember your ways. But when we continue to sin against them, you are angry. How then can we be saved? All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. No one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and have given us over to our sins. Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do not be angry beyond measure, Lord. Do not remember our sins forever. Look on us, we pray, for we are all your people. We pray for hope so that we can pray with hope. And I want to begin right at the beginning of, of this passage of Isaiah, this prayer of Isaiah. And I, and I love, um, you know, when, when, you, when you are praying with someone uh, for a length of time, you can really get to know them in their hearts. I was thinking as I was preparing for this message this week, I was thinking back on a group of guys that for a number of years met together uh, here at the church at 6 a.m., from 6 to 7 a.m. on Wednesdays for many, many years. Some of those folks are still part of our congregation. Uh, Some have moved on to other parts of the country. Some are actually no longer with us here on the earth. But I remembered over the course of time, you got to really know people as, as people began to feel more and more comfortable praying their hearts and just praying what was in their hearts. And it was just a really rich time. And I'm so thankful that uh, as I read, you know, as we sort of get a, a window into what I is, uh, Isaiah is praying, that we also, that we, we sense his heart. And his heart is one that hungers for the manifest presence of God. And hope comes as we pray for the, just that, for the God's kingdom to come, for that manifest sense of his presence, that tangible reality that God, Emmanuel, he has come to us and he will come to us again. And that should be a prayer for all of us, that we would be people of God's presence, that we would know that, Lord, unless, just like the the children of Israel and Moses cried out when he was leading them, uh, you know, Lord, unless you go with us, we don't want to go into the promised land. Because what are we and what do we have to, to, to offer and to live for if we don't have your presence? That we would be those kinds of people that sensed. Uh, God, give us that sense. Let us have that, that knowledge and that experience that you are with us. Just like God the Father was in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. Just like Jesus, born as a baby, grew up and was with his disciples. 
Just like the Holy Spirit who was poured out on the day of Pentecost on those in the upper room that we can read about in Acts chapter two and the same Holy Spirit who wants to fill us and, and refill us over and over today. God calls us to be people who long for his presence because in God's presence, we can be the people of hope that, that our world needs us to be, that we need to be, that we need in order to live the lives that Christ has called us to live. And so Isaiah begins this prayer, uh, this prayer that's in a time of desolation for Israel. Uh, he's just praying, oh Lord, that, that you would rend the heavens and that you would come down, that you would come down, that the mountains would tremble before you just as they have before in, in, in previous times, in previous generations when you've come and you have met with your people. And so he's remembering, but he's also looking forward, almost foreshadowing the prayer that Jesus would teach his disciples and us to pray, uh, uh, the Lord's prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. That prayer of, of God, let your rule and reign, let it invade the hopeless situations and circumstances in my own life in my own family, in my own city and community, in our own world, let your, let your rule and reign come and invade our hopelessness. This is a prayer for the presence of God. And I hope that for all of us, as we walk through this Advent, this Christmas season, that we will let that be first and foremost our prayer. God, let this be a season where there is an even more keen sense, a, a deeper hunger uh, for all the wonderful parts of the festivities. But first and foremost, let it be a season where we hunger and thirst for your presence. Hope comes as we cry out for God's presence, but hope also comes as we cry out to God to come with a demonstration of his power. A demonstration of his power. We hunger for God and not just for what he does, we hunger for him and his presence. And at many times when he comes, there is a manifestation of his power that comes in, in different ways. Sometimes it's overwhelming ways. Sometimes it's very subtle and quiet ways. But it is it's that prayer, Lord, we pray that you would come and come with a demonstration of your power. Sometimes that's awesome things like miracles and signs and wonders. And I just wanna tell you, and as I remind myself of this, let us not be afraid to come and to cry out for God's presence and to ask him to also let his power come uh, with signs and wonders, things that change our situations, things that change our circumstances, things that are obviously cause and effect uh, to the world around us. And, and, and Isaiah mentions this in verse two. He says, let your, come in your power, Lord. Come in your power as when fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil. There is cause and effect happening here. Come down to make your name known to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. Do you think that the Middle East could use another demonstrations of, of God's power today? Let us pray for that. 
Do you think that, that you, Ukraine could? Do you think that the nation of Haiti, where we're involved in, in church planning, do you think that the kingdom of darkness there has such a stronghold that, that it could use a demonstration of God's power there uh, to break bondage that's been going on for generations? What about our own nation? What about our own nation? God, let your kingdom come. Let your presence fill us and let your presence be manifest, not just for a warm fuzzy for us, but let it come in power. Let it come with signs and wonders that people can recognize, just like water boils, uh, the, the fire comes and, and water boils. Let there be that cause and effect that people would see because you have come, things are different in our own lives and things are different in the world around us. Watchman Nee was a leader in the, the church in China uh, in the early 20th century. And after communists came to rule, Nee was jailed and he spent more than 20 years in prison until he died in prison in 1972, a martyr for his Christian faith. And he said this about how prayers impact the display of God's power. He said, our prayers lay the track down on which God's power can come. Like a mighty locomotive, God's power is this irresistible, but it cannot reach us without rails, the rails of our prayers. It cannot reach us without those. And so, yes, God is sovereign, but God in his sovereignty has invited us to participate with him, to partner with him, for us to pray and to welcome God's rule and reign and the manifestation of his love and his power. Let us be people just like Isaiah who prayed for that demonstration of God's power to come. Hope comes as we reflect on the goodness of God. This is something that we see with Isaiah here. Reflecting on the goodness and the faithfulness of God while we wait. We just got through the Thanksgiving season. I hope that you did take time in addition to eating lots of turkey. Uh, I hope that you did take some time to reflect on God's goodness, his faithfulness in giving him thanks for that, but this is also just something we should do all the time. And the year end is a, a wonderful time to take inventory of, of God's activity in our lives over this last year. It builds faith, it builds confidence that God was faithful, that our God is faithful now, and that as we look ahead, our God will be faithful. And this is, the way, this is the way Isaiah expressed it. And these very words can be words that we can take and turn into our own expressions of prayer as we, as we do this, as we do this. Uh, Isaiah, praying to the Father, says, for when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down and the mountains trembled before you. Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. For those who wait for them, him, for those who hope in him, for those who trust in him. Even now, if you haven't already, think back over this year, how has God shown up how has he shown up for you in ways that you did not expect? How has he shown himself to be acting on your behalf, my behalf, when we didn't deserve it, 
when we maybe weren't even thinking that he would or could do that. Think about that. Give thanks for that. Uh, reflect on that, the goodness and the faithfulness of God. It's, it's an important part of, of laying that foundation for hope and confidence. You know, Revelation talks about they overcame by the, the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Uh, a big part of that, sometimes we think of testimony as just being that word that someone else hears and gets encouraged by, but it starts with us. It encourages us. We hear it first, right? We hear it simultaneously. And then if you talk to yourself like I do, you know, uh, you get to hear it twice. That's a whole nother issue that we'll talk about at some other point. But hope comes as we reflect on the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God while we wait, while we wait in prayer, while we wait in thanksgiving. And he continues, hope comes as we invite the Holy Spirit to show us our hearts and lead us to confession and repentance. And this is not just something we pray the day we receive Jesus as the forgiver of our sins and the leader of our lives. That is a crucially important beginning point, uh, uh, vitally important. And if you have not yet prayed to receive Jesus as the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life, I invite you, I encourage you. What a, what a glorious, wonderful thing uh, to begin your, your Advent season by welcoming and receiving the, the ultimate gift of God's love in Jesus, his gift of salvation given to each one of us. Uh, and you can do that today. But that's also to be an ongoing thing for all of us in, 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 you know, in our day-to-day -day lives, that we would recognize uh, the Holy Spirit comes to us and he reveals to us our sinfulness not to condemn us or put us down or make us feel bad about ourselves. He does it as an act of God's love, an expression of God's love for us. God shows us our sinfulness in order to invite us into his holiness, to receive his forgiveness, to let him make our hearts pure, to, to allow him to take away the burden of sin on our hearts and lives that separates us from God and from his goodness. Just as Isaiah in this prayer says in verse six, all of us have become like one who is unclean. He is speaking for himself and for the whole nation of Israel that's entrenched in disobedience and idolatry. All of us have become like one who is unclean and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. But thanks be to God. He has provided a way for our sins to be forgiven. And his name is Jesus and he is our living hope. And he is the only way that we can come uh, to the Father. He is God's son who came to earth as a baby. He lived a perfect life. He showed us how to fully live. Uh, he showed us God the Father in flesh. He lived a sinless life, yet he died for every one of us sinners. He died for every single one of us so that we could have eternal life in him and in him alone, a relationship that begins the day that we say, yes, God, I, I receive your gift of salvation. I receive your forgiveness. I confess my sinfulness to you. I confess to you my need for a savior. 
The only way we can be made righteous or right with God is by putting our faith in Jesus. God washes our hearts clean. The Holy Spirit comes and dwells inside of us. He guides us. He heals us. He empowers us to be more and more like Jesus. Again, our living hope, as Peter put it so perfectly, and this begins a loving relationship that will never end, that will never end, that will last throughout all of eternity. And so this whole thing of hope, this whole thing of hope being uh, something that we pray for and that we pray with and that we wait uh, for and we wait with, um, hope comes as, as we worship and as we trust God to bring about his loving work of transformation for our lives. It is a loving work uh, that, that God wants to do in each one of us. And, and Paul sums up uh, this section with this part of his prayer. Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hand, the work of God's hand, the work in God's hand, day after day after day after day as we place our hope in him. You know, I, I, I love uh, the series that we're doing. I also just love just reflecting on the different people who are part of the story of Jesus' birth. And uh, as I was going through this passage in Isaiah, I just kept thinking about Zechariah and Elizabeth. Uh, you can read, I don't have time to really unpack uh, all the things happening in Luke chapter one. I would encourage you to, to read there uh, if you're not familiar with that story. But um, Elizabeth is the older cousin of Mary, the mother of Jesus. And Zechariah, he was a priest in God's temple. And Luke tells us that God saw Zechariah and Elizabeth as righteous, holy people. They were an old couple who had never been able to, to have children, even though it was something they desperately wanted. They had no hope of some sort of special treatment to deal with their infertility issues, but they had prayed to God with hope. And then one day we read about in Luke chapter one, when Zechariah is at the temple, he is performing his priestly duties. An angel of the Lord appeared to Zechariah and, and told him that God had heard his prayer and that he was gonna give Elizabeth and Zechariah, a son, and his name was going to be John. We know him as John the Baptist. Well, of course, Zechariah in that moment was thinking completely rationally, and he questioned the angel of the Lord. He said, you know, hey, I'm a little old, and my wife is also pretty old, you know? Um, and the angel told Zechariah this, and now you will be silent. <laughs> wow, Okay. <laughs> That'll, that'll tell you to speak rationally, right? And, and now you will be silent and not be able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at, that, at their appointed time. And in time, the angel's words did come true. If you read the story, you'll see that Elizabeth had a baby boy. Uh, and on the day, uh, the eighth day that he was born, the day of his circumcision, um, Elizabeth and Zechariah gave the baby the name John, 
And this name was a surprise to every other family groups, uh, friends at the, the, the temple, because that, that name was not in their family. They were expecting probably some family name, some derivative of Zechariah, uh, but they, he, they gave them this name. And, and there's a lot that happens in Luke chapter one. I would encourage you to take a look at it. But I mentioned this because of the transformational work that we see even in this glimpse in Zechariah's life. And I got to tell you, as a pastor, priest, if you will, who's getting older, uh, let me just say that this is not a prayer for Mary Margaret and me to have more kids, okay? <laughs> we are really, God's already answered that prayer for us in, with three wonderful ways. And uh, we're good with that. We are thoroughly enjoying uh, uh, yeah, empty nest, very, very much so. So I, I, I don't relate in that way. So please do not pray that for us, okay? But I do love what I see with Zechariah as one who laughed and doubted God's word from the angel and as a result was silenced for several months to an um, a very humble act of obedience and, and you know, hearing from this same angel the same angel that said, name him John, you will name him John. That, that he, in the time of not being able to speak, had time to reflect on that, and it was a formative time in his heart and his life. And I, and I believe in his own way, in his own way, he may have even reflected on the prayer that we just prayed from Isaiah. You, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay you are the potter, we are all the work of your hand. And I'm so glad that God is not finished with any of us unless we determine that. And if we say no to his work in our lives, if we resist that, but there is work, formative work that God wants to continue to do in every single one of us, whether we are an infant or whether we are 85 years old or older, okay? And that brings me tremendous hope. And let Advent remind all of us that Jesus came into the world at a hopeless moment. It was a hopeless time uh, for the children of Israel with the Roman oppression. And I'm so thankful that God continues to meet us in our hopeless moments, even today. Whether it is a hopeless moment for you personally because of a situation going on in your own heart and life, maybe something going on in your body, Maybe something going on in an important relationship. Maybe something going on in your finances, in your emotions. Jesus came into the world to meet us in our hopeless moments. And I also am so thankful that this Advent season can remind us that one day, one day, Jesus will bring an end to every hopeless moment once and for all. And for that, I, I rejoice and I give thanks. So I invite you right where you are just to bow your heads. And we're going to pray. This morning is our first Sunday of the month, a time that we receive communion together as a church family. And as the Apostle Paul instructs us, it's important for us to just allow the Holy Spirit to, to come and show us our hearts. Just as Isaiah was praying that the Holy Spirit he convicts us not to, to shame us or not to reject us, but it is an expression of his love to draw us near for cleansing, for healing,
for freedom. So Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We welcome your manifest presence. We love you. We thank you, and we invite you to come and just to show us our hearts. Show us the things you love about our hearts. Show us the things that you want for our hearts. Come, Lord. Lord.